Well, as I mentioned before, we have sung and we have prayed and we will continue to be faithful church to pray and intercede for as a congregation, as individuals, for our community and for our loved ones at Covenant. Um, But we're going to now continue worshiping together in this gathering through the reading of God's word. And if you have a copy of the scriptures, let me invite you to join me in Matthew's gospel, Matthew's gospel, chapter 20. And if you've been with us for any length of time or the last couple months, you know this a little bit of a detour from our series in the book of Acts. We have been looking at the, the origins of the church, not just a church, but the church that then brought forth this church. And we've been walking through the book of Acts for several months. Um, the reason that I want to detour is because today is Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday. It is an incredibly significant moment in human history and especially within the Christian church and the Christian calendar. Nick mentioned just a moment ago, Palm Sunday. These are the branches. He thought they were cute. I did too until some of the little boys in our church started whipping me in the legs with them just a moment ago. You may find these on the floor. You may find them on the the floorboard of your car on the way home. Uh, But it is Palm Sunday and I'll explain if you don't know why it is referred to as that. But as we begin this morning, one of the things that I want you to know is that this is a a, a pretty significant moment in the life of Jesus. And he was uh, on this planet for about 33 years or so, uh, multiple times throughout his life as a child being born in Bethlehem and living in Nazareth, he made trips to Jerusalem for feasts and Passovers. And so we're going to read about the Passover celebration and feast that he is making his way to Jerusalem for. And one of the things I want you to know is that oftentimes Jesus would make this trip with his parents and it was always a round trip. Three or four times they would go to Jerusalem from Galilee. Galilee is about 90 miles away from Jerusalem. They would make the trip in for a festival. It took two or three days to get there. Then they would make the round trip back home and they would do this all the time, every year for nearly three plus decades. This trip would be a little bit different there, there would be no return trip for Jesus. So as they say, it's kind of getting real for him. And this moment is something that makes things real for us as well. That this is a significant story that you can't read and not wrestle with the implications for your own life. That's what I hope you'll do over the next few moments. Now, I want to read scripture. We've been faithful to stick closely to scripture. Why why would we do anything different right now? If you have your Bible open to Matthew 20, we would normally stand in honor of God's word. We're going to walk through a couple of portions of this text. I want you to remain seated. And I'm going to read from Matthew's gospel, chapter 20. We're going to start by reading verses 29 through 34. And I'll put it on the screen if that is helpful to you this morning. It says, as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. That's Jesus. And there were two blind men sitting by the road. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Now the crowd demanded that these two men remain quiet. But this made them cry out all the more. And they said even more often and more loudly, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And Jesus stopped, he called them, and he said, what is it that you want me to do for you? Lord, they said to him, open our eyes. And moved with compassion, Jesus did touch their eyes, and immediately they could see. 
and they began to follow Jesus. Now let's pause right there for the next few moments, and you know how we like to do it. Please keep your scripture open while we go through this together. And the reason we do that is I hope it feeds you the next six days of the week, wherever the Lord takes us, and that it would minister to you before we come back together for Holy Week events later, and especially for Easter Sunday next Sunday. But I want to walk through some of the things that are happening in this passage. I mentioned to you that Jesus would often make his way to Jerusalem for feasts and festivals, and it's the time for the Passover. So you may remember that the Passover is the celebration or the remembrance of how God provided rescue for his people in Egypt. The Hebrews, the Israelites, were under the oppression and the, the yoke of slavery in Egypt, and they had cried out to the Lord for, for saving, for salvation. We need a Savior. And the Lord provided gracious salvation. And you remember that story, right? Like God calls a man, Moses leads his people, the parting of the Red Sea, then into the wilderness for 40 years before they made their way into the promised land. That's the, the story that Passover really initiated and began. Jesus is arriving in Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. Now, don't you think it's a little bit unique that the Passover celebration is when you would take a lamb that was spotless, unblemished, without transgression, as best they could tell, without sin, and they would take the life of that lamb throughout that celebration, and therefore the sins of the community, the sins of the person would be upon that animal, and that animal would atone for the sin of the people. Don't you think it's unique, or certainly not ironic, is it, that Jesus is arriving when they are remembering that the Lord sacrificed an innocent lamb so that they could go free and be liberated? Well, Jesus arrives at this time in Jerusalem. He's making his way through cities and towns as he gets there. And we just read he's making his way through Jericho. And it's one of the oldest cities on the planet. And as he makes his way through Jericho, look at what it says in 29. A large crowd followed him. And there were two blind men sitting by the road. Sometimes people are physically blind. Oftentimes, many of us are spiritually blind. We don't see when the Lord is right in front of us. Praise God, we have a story of these men recognizing his presence. And how could they not, right? As Jesus made his way into Jerusalem, at this point, the culmination of three years of public ministry, incredible miracles, like there's a little bit of a fever pitch, other Galileans that had made the journey, other pilgrims from everywhere kind of attaching themselves to Jesus. You ever made a snowball out in the snow and you get twigs and leaves and it just grows in mass and size? Like, I mean, there's just a rolling party making its way through towns. Probably unavoidable that they didn't know he was before them. And they cried out when they heard him passing, Lord, have mercy on us. And they called him Son of David. Now, Son of David is a very unique name. Son of David literally means like, we believe that you're what we've been waiting on. Son of David was a messianic title. Now, the word Messiah, if you're not familiar with these things, literally means like the promised one or the long-awaited one. And you remember back in the Garden of Eden when things got sideways between Adam and Eve, between them and God first and then with each other. Vertically, things got jacked up. Between them, things got off the rails. And it was because of sin in the Garden of Eden. And ever since Eden, people have been trying to find their way back into a right relationship with God and one another. And the whole Old Testament, really, like you still need to read it. So don't just use this as an excuse for not reading it. But I'll do my best to summarize it. The whole Old Testament tells of a people who need 
leadership and God raises up people to help them draw near to him. But he always tells them, you can't be religious enough. You can't be moral enough. You can't do enough social good to get back and restore what was lost in the garden. So I will send one who can redeem and restore and make right all that is broken and all that is wrong and all that was lost. He's the promised one. He's the Messiah. And God foretold that he would pour himself into the Messiah. And so when Jesus arrives, he's born in Bethlehem. He's fully God, which means Jesus never gave up any of his divinity or any of his authority. He's fully God, but he's also fully human. Knowing what it's like to have a bad day, knowing what it's like to have a good day, knowing what it's like to break bread and share meals with his friends and loved ones and neighbors in his community. When Jesus arrives in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, he's the Messiah. And all throughout his public ministry, he had been performing miracles to validate, I'm exactly who you think I am. A lot of people claimed to be the Messiah, but they couldn't validate it. There was nothing about them that could justify that claim. But here's the deal. Jesus never really drew attention to himself. And every time somebody was like, are you the guy? Like, hey, let's, let's make him king. And the gospel writers tell us a lot of people tried to grab Jesus and push him to the front and be like, we hate we hate hardship. We hate oppression. If it was the Egyptians 3,000 years ago, it's the Romans now in the first century. They're, they're unjust. They're evil. They lord over us like, here you, like Jesus, and they got behind him and wanted to push him up into authority. Like, go ahead and declare you can help us. And for nearly three years of public ministry, Jesus never allowed anybody to validate that. And oftentimes, I find this fascinating and say, there's a crowd around him, but Jesus slipped away, slipped through their grasp because his time hadn't come yet. But as I told you, this was a one-way trip into Jerusalem. His sole purpose for becoming Emmanuel was coming to fruition. The culmination of all of God's plans for humanity to redeem and restore. And how would Jesus do that? Well, spoiler alert, like you, you know the events of Holy Week probably. Jesus would make his way to the cross on the cross at Calvary. We will talk about Good Friday. It's not necessarily, you ever thought about that as a kid? I'm like, why are we going to a Good Friday service talk about Jesus dying on the cross? Because on the cross, he would lay down his perfection and his righteousness in exchange for the sins of humanity. That's good news. That in Christ, by placing your faith in him, what the Holy Spirit, the presence of the risen Jesus does in 2023, through your faith and belief that Jesus is God, according to the scriptures, it's what we preach, what we teach, what we sing about, the Spirit can give you not only Himself and unite you with the Father, a right, restored relationship, but in that moment, what He can do is He can forgive your sin and He can provide freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And there's still sin and temptation in our world. We, we know that. There's still hard things. We've definitely seen that this past week. But we are not alone. We are not without resource. We are not without hope because we have Jesus. That's good news. Is made available on Good Friday. That's why we call it that. And so for the first time in his ministry, Jesus, when they say, son of David, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I absolutely love that. Yes, that's me. What do you want me to do for you? For the first time in his life, Jesus validated and he owned that title. And this is kind of a point of no return for Jesus because the crowd, many of them would have been like, this is great. Think about those disciples that were sold out to following him, the, the original 11 or so, and then others like, whoo, 
whew, I'm so glad we have not followed the wrong guy for several years. They probably felt that way, right? I think about that when you read the stories. Whew, this is great. There were others who were probably like, I mean, I don't know if he's the guy or not, but like, I love it when he like feeds us and multiplies sack lunches into like buffets and banquets and all kinds of stuff. I like this guy. There were other people that got their attention because when he said, what do you want me to do for you? Before he heals these guys, they would have been like, um, it's against the law to claim your God. Like if you're not God and you claim that, that's blasphemy. And you can lose your life for that. There's a point of no return for Jesus. So while I'm fascinated by the miracle, I, they would have stopped first and said, he's acknowledging and therefore claiming he's the long-awaited one. And Jesus goes ahead, and, and if we needed further proof, he's like, and I am exactly who the Lord told you I was. Um, and he touched their eyes, moved with compassion. I love that. When he started his public ministry in Capernaum, he looks out on, on, on the crowd, and with compassion, he's moved to heal them. I love that. We need to hear that about our Savior this week, don't we? And he heals them. Well, it doesn't stop right outside of Jericho because the work's not done. Now he is on notice and the clock is ticking. And now there's probably people running from outside Jericho to Jerusalem. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You see this crowd, you see this, like, this gathering, this throng of people, like, and he says he's the one. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Make preparations, he's the one. Same thing, people thought he was legitimately, there were a few, they thought he was legitimately the one. I believe who you say you are. And the Spirit gave them the ability to believe that, just like he would for me and you. And there were others who were just excited. Like, I hate the Romans. I hate Argyp. Yes. And so what they did, the Bible tells us. Did you see what it says? Verse, tw verse 1 of chapter 21. I do hope you still have your Bible open. Look at what it says. When they, that's this entire procession, reached Jerusalem, Jesus sent two disciples into the town, and they brought back a donkey so that he could ride into town on that. We'll get to that in just a moment. But look at what it says in verse 7. He sat on the donkey... And a very large crowd spread their clothes on the road in verse 8. And others were cutting branches, palm branches. Now this was their best impulsive, impromptu, impassioned effort of like rolling out the red carpet for Jesus. We don't want you to sit on a, like, on a donkey. So we're going to put cloaks on it. We're going we're to throw those down on the, on the street because if you're the Messiah, we don't even want the hoofs of the animal you're on to touch this. And they cut palm branches and they, they laid them down. But the Bible also says that, that they started singing and shouting something. Keep reading with me what it says in verse 9. Then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed him shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, how many of you listen to music when you're driving to work in the morning? How many of you turn on that playlist, right? You get it going. You feel good. You know, you, you, got, it, you got it ready. You can go in the office, whatever it is. The, the people, as they made their way to Jerusalem, would sing together. I don't know if they did this. I don't know why I just did this. But they're like, <laughs> we're singing. We're going to Passover. And Matthew tells us what they were singing was was Psalm 118. Hosanna, Hosanna, oh save us Lord, oh save us Lord, save us. What we've wanted is rescue. What we need is rescue. And they wanted rescue from their circumstances, but what did they need that you and I need to? They needed rescue and salvation from their sin and their brokenness and their separation from God. 
Now, he may not have been the, the Messiah they were expecting. Bethlehem, like, it's a tiny little town. Nazareth is this backwater town in Galilee, like nothing. Can anything good come of Nazareth, one of the disciples said when he was first called? <laughs> it's one of Jesus' dudes. What? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? When they find out his dad's a carpenter, well, you mean like he's not the son of a king with royal lineage, like he's a, uh, a carpenter? Like, and, and he's going to roll into town. What, what, what does Scripture tell us here? Scripture tells us here that Jesus sent two disciples into town in verse 1, go into the village, and once you'll find a donkey tied there. If somebody says anything to you, say, the Lord needs them. And when they brought him back, they put their cloaks on him, and he sat on a donkey, the foal of a donkey, to ride into town. That's not a war horse. That's not a chariot. They're crying, save us, save us, save us. And at the moment they're crying for salvation, Jesus says, here I am. And the Father says, here's your Messiah. And because he wasn't what they were expecting, many of them completely missed it. They completely missed who he was and what he was going to do for them. Now, the first two guys, we don't know their names, but the first two guys sitting outside Jer Jericho were physically blind. How many of this crowd, how many of us are spiritually blind? Uh, maybe our prayer is, make, make, make it this way in my job. Answer this prayer for me. Make it this way relationally I, 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 in my dating life, in my marriage, in my parenting, uh, for starting our family. Like, make it so, Lord. And, and, he, and he doesn't answer it the way we think it might should look. But he gives us exactly what we need in the moment that we need it. And he says, you may not always have, I'm paraphrasing here, you may not always have what you want, but my Father will always make sure you have everything you need. My name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with you. And the people were excited. I mean, some of them kept saying, after they shouted Hosanna and they sung, it says in verse 10, when he entered Jerusalem, the place was in an uproar, and some people were like, who is this guy? What is the deal with this guy? I love that because it gives you permission, it gives me permission to poke and prod and explore the claims of Christ to see if we want to believe if he's God's son. My prayer for you this week is that you won't miss him because how he's trying to reveal himself in your life is not what you thought or expected. He might slip up and surprise you, but it'll always be exactly what the father believes you need. And Jesus will always do what's in your best interest. Now, here's, here's the thing about Palm Sunday Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, triumphant entry. That's all the revelry and the pomp and the pageantry. Like, that's why he called it triumphant entry. Um, so from that point forward, and this was God's foreordained plan for him to lay down his life for humanity. From this point forward, those who didn't like him, those who were religious and didn't like that if he's God, then I don't have authority over people through religion. They didn't like that either. And so they chose to figure out a way, how can we undo this guy? So later this week, we'll have Maundy Thursday service, which commemorates and celebrates. It's a come and go service Thursday night. We're going to have the Lord's Supper there as well, but it, it's a night where we remember that was the night he was betrayed. It was a night where Jesus was arrested in Gethsemane so that he could lay down his life sacrificially for us. We'll also have a Good Friday service, Friday at 3 o'clock. And we'll do that so that we can sit with the weight of 
you made your way to Jerusalem with the scoffing and the criticisms and the people who just wanted you for spiritual vending machine goodies, like they just wanted what you get. You did all that and endured all of it. And the shame of the cross for us. We need to sit with the weight of that. I think what you'll walk out of here realizing on Good Friday, it's 3 o'clock, hope you'll be here. Nick's going to lead us. Worship team's going to lead us. He did it for his father. He did it to obey and glorify his father's plans to save you and me. We just happen to be the beneficiaries of that sacrifice. And we get to experience eternal life as a result of it. But it can't happen until he enters Jerusalem to begin with. That's what today's about. So here's what I think would be incredibly helpful. There may be somebody in the room who's like, I've never trusted Jesus. Why not today? Why not today? And so maybe over the next few moments, you just want to choose to follow Jesus for the first time ever. Maybe somebody in the room who, who says, I, I have, I've known you, Jesus, but I have just become complacent in my heart and, and just taken for granted what you've done for me. Forgive me for that. There's nobody like you, Jesus. You are the son of David. Save me, rescue me with whatever it is in my life now. You can pray that today. Lord, save me from myself. Give me freedom from X, Y, Z. Whatever you need to pray. I think it might be helpful, and, and you guys know if you've been to a church service, if over the next few minutes I give you the space to respond as any of us might need to. So I'm going to ask Adam if he'll bring the lights down just a little bit. I'm going to ask Nick and the worship team to make their way back up to the platform. Now I'm going to give you time and space to respond how you feel led. I, I do think the Holy Spirit always stirs us up through Scripture to do something with what we've sung, we've prayed, we've read or experienced while we're together in worship. But those of you who've known me for a long time know I don't manipulate, and I'm not passive aggressive. So I'll just leave it at that. I pray you have the courage in Jesus' name to do what you need to do over the next few moments. Now what may be helpful is for all of us to, to act and do something tangible together. And so I'm going to invite our deacons to come to the tables. There's two tables in the front and there's two tables in the back. And if you have been with us for any length of time, you know we, we always serve the Lord's Supper on Palm Sunday. And we want to give you the opportunity to be served by our deacons. If you come to the tables, there's two tables in the back, if that's easier, closer to you. They will offer you the bread. They will offer you the cup. They'll say a couple of words of encouragement about the truth of these elements. But then you'll take those and make your way back to your seat. You'll step out towards the walls, come forward or go to the back, and when you come back up the middle aisle, I, I want you to sit there and think about Jesus saying, yep, I'm him, I'm God. What is it that you want me to do for you? When you look at that bread and realize that wholeness and healing is in his nail-scarred hands, what is it? that you want me to do for you, he says. And I want you to look into that cup. It's a deep, rich red color, and it represents, it's symbolic. It's not his literal blood, but it's symbolic of the precious blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross, that if you choose to place your faith in him, the Holy Spirit will apply that to your account, to your reputation, and you will receive the righteousness of Christ.
new beginnings, do-overs. I'm gonna preach about that next Sunday. But that could be your future. And as you look at the cup, I want you to think about Jesus saying, what is it that you want me to do for you? The cross, the shedding of his blood and the breaking of his body is what makes the promise of everything he offers possible. So let me voice a prayer for us. And then the tables will be open. You, you come by yourself. You come with your roommate. Come with your life group. Come with your family. Come with whoever it, it feels comfortable to do that with. And when it looks like everybody's had a chance to be served, I'll come back up here and we'll partake of the bread and the cup together. Lord Jesus, where else would we go? You have the words of life. We believe and proclaim in the city of Nashville that you are the Messiah. Save us, rescue us, liberate us, and call us into a future with you that is full of hope and purpose. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.